Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet, a trustless open source wallet that gives you the keys to your crypto. Invoice, donate, and trade your Monero with peace of mind, piece of cake. And by StealthyX, an instant exchange where privacy is a top concern. Go to StealthyX.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making StealthyX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. All right, we're here. We're live at La BitConf. Dr. Lawrence, how's it going? It's going okay. I wish I had more sleep, but it's an amazing event. You came in from D.C.? Yeah, late last night. What is your day job? I actually had you on the show, uh, I think it was two or three years ago, but if you could just give, give the audience your, your background. I'm professor of economics at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. So how'd you get pulled into this whole crypto world, or did you pull yourself into the crypto world? Well, it's a long story. How much time do we have? Um, back in the 80s, I was writing about private money uh, before it was cool. And as I, I was just saying on stage, I had some interactions with people who went on to become associated with uh, Bitcoin, uh, Nick Zabo, Hal Finney, because they were interested in private money too. And... Uh, it was a student of mine who actually told me that Bitcoin had happened. <laughs> and I've been trying to, you know, keep up with it. It's, it's an educational process. So I've, I've written a lot over the years about the gold standard, but people kept asking me about Bitcoin. So I had to educate myself. And to clarify for the audience, by private money, you mean money that's not created by the state? Yeah, exactly. Money that's a matter of contract and not decree. Uh, so starting with gold and silver coins. I, I did some research just a couple of years ago on privately minted gold coins, which are kind of a forgotten chapter in monetary history. But most of my research has been on uh, free banking, which is an unregulated, privately issued claims to gold and silver that were the effective money in the 19th century. And that's what central banking replaced. And Sadly, in my view. Yeah, for sure. I think we're seeing the effects of it here in Argentina, right? Uh, anybody who who wonders whether or not fiat is sustainable or a good thing for society, come down, hang out in Argentina for a couple of days, and you get a sense of what a disaster fiat can be. It, it's an object lesson to all of us uh, that if uh, you have a fiscal situation where the government is trying to give everything to everybody, but it doesn't have the means to do it, they will turn to the printing press and you get 140% inflation the way they have today. And they've had, you know, worse not too long ago. What exactly has gone wrong in Argentina in particular? Why, why, why does it seem so much worse here than maybe in other parts of the world? It's a real tragedy because 100 years ago, Argentina was one of the richest countries in the world. But I would say the short answer is Peronism, 
which was a, an attempt to run the economy top down and to dole out favors to interest groups. Uh, and it's bankrupted the country. So, I mean, the way somebody explained it to me is that if you take all the entitlements in Argentina, they add up to more than 100% of GDP. So everybody can't be satisfied. Everybody's fighting over shares of the pie. The pie is not growing as a result. And money printing has just ruined everything. We're here at La Bitconf. There's, I don't know, maybe a couple of thousand people here. But outside of these walls, when you're walking around Buenos Aires and you ask the, the, the regular local whether or not they're willing to accept cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, even given the fact that the peso uh, is becoming more and more worthless, I sense apprehension. I don't feel like there's, there's uh, certainly not mass adoption out there of, of cryptocurrency. Any thoughts on that? And then the follow-up question is, do you think crypto will become perhaps maybe the, the solution to the problem here? Well, I haven't walked around much on this trip, but in the past when I've walked around the Calle Florida, which is the big sh fancy shopping street, you see prices posted in dollars. So they're happy to take dollars, but I haven't seen, you know, we're happy to take Bitcoin or, or other currencies. Uh, there's a strong network effect where people want to be paid in something they know they can spend. And the dollar has this big network and it's a big trading. The U.S. is a big trading partner with Argentina. So it's a natural thing to flee into when you're fleeing the Argentine peso. Overall, in the larger scope of things, do you think eventually cryptocurrency can overcome the network effect of fiat? It can if it can offer a more stable purchasing power and lower volatility of purchasing power, lower price volatility. So I don't think Bitcoin is well designed for that, but people are working on, you know, uh, flat coins. Uh, I'm involved in a project trying to create a cryptocurrency with an elastic supply so that the purchasing power is more stable. So there are other paths to that besides returning to a gold standard. What I mean is when there's more demand for the currency, does the supply respond and so keep the price from peaking and then later troughing? And when, when there's a reduced demand, does the quantity of the currency stop growing or shrink? in order to maintain the value of it. That's what I mean. What do you think about CBDCs? They're a real danger. I mean, it's a surveillance tool, really. That's what China's using it for. And when I hear people in the US say, we can't let China get ahead of us on this technology, I say, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is a completely 1984 technology. Uh, if everybody has an account on the books of the Federal Reserve System, then the Fed can monitor everybody's transactions in real time, which is how the Chinese government is using their system. Uh, so I don't think we want to go that way. Do you think they will be adopted, though? There's a lot of pushback in the United States, so I hope not. I mean, it doesn't really offer anything. If you want easy ways to transfer dollars, we have Venmo. There's no need for the government to try to get involved in retail payments. It's not their... Forte, the Fed has never operated retail payments. They wouldn't know what they were doing. Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans 
And if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. Do you believe the ideal form of money should be private and fungible in, it, in, its, in its basic form? Yeah, I think money should be a matter of contract, not of decree. The government shouldn't tell us what our money is. It should emerge from the bottom up. And it's a social, if you look at the early days of money emerging from barter, if you look at the early days of banking, it's people finding better ways to make transactions more convenient. Right. I guess I guess I understand that, which is which is uh, I agree with you all on on those things. But I guess private in another sense, should money uh, ultimately be be private, allowing individuals to transact without third parties peering into the transactions, much like cash traditionally does. Oh, absolutely. I'm a big believer in financial privacy, but it's become kind of a very suspect concept, uh, which is terrible. I mean, people who believe in civil liberties should believe in financial liberty too. And so we shouldn't be surveilled. I mean, if somebody's committing a crime, then catch them committing the crime. Don't force everybody into a system where you can, you know, examine everybody's financial records without a warrant at any time. We don't want to live in a world like that. Recently, we've seen the government suggest that cryptocurrencies can be used to do things like finance uh, terrorism. Uh, I don't know if you saw those reports with Hamas, or it could be used for money laundering, right? These are things that governments have often said since the advent of crypto. Do you think governments will ultimately try to strictly regulate the use of cryptocurrency because of these issues that they see? Well, you left out child pornography finance. But yeah, th these are horror stories designed to make the public willing to subject themselves to increased levels of scrutiny uh, without real warrant. I mean, yes, it's true criminals can use cryptocurrency, but actually, uh, if you want to use Bitcoin, you're leaving a you know permanent public record of the transactions. So it's actually not a very smart way to launder money. I mean, cash is, an, and bank, the banking system is the number one way of laundering money. Um, so I think it's, it's a trumped-up charge designed by people who, you know, fear a system that they and the government don't control in every last detail. You mentioned Bitcoin having a transparent ledger where ultimately all transactions can be tracked and traced. Monero prides itself in being, quote-unquote, untraceable. It has certain design parameters that allow it to be untraceable, where uh, the sender can't be identified, the recipient can't be identified, or the amounts cannot be identified. Do you think governments will try to outlaw a cryptocurrency like Monero because of that, the technology that it uses? I suspect they will want to, yeah. I mean, is, is there a way, if they have a search warrant, to force the sender to reveal the transaction information? Sure. Yeah. There's a view, view keys, it's called, where you can give, uh, you know, allow a third party to view your transactions if you're willing to give up that key. Well, that, that seems to me reasonable. That seems to me all that you need to provide. 
Um, but law enforcement uh, would like thing, everything to be very convenient for them. They don't want to have to go to court and show probable cause that this person committed a crime before they get to pry into their financial records. So in the U.S. in particular, I mean, I know, I know you're not an attorney, but what, what kind of what's your opinion with regards to how the U.S. government may ultimately come down on Monero? Do you think it gets saved by the U.S. Constitution and the supposed ideals that America is supposed to be founded upon? Uh, free speech, um, you know, the, the, the right to unlawful search and seizures. Fourth Amendment and Fourth Amendment are the important ones, yeah. No, you're right, I'm not a lawyer, but I heard an interesting talk by Peter Van Valkenburg of the Coin Center, and he's making this point that there is this doctrine in the, in the U.S. law which says if you gave your financial information to your bank, then you've given up your right of privacy in it. And the Bank Secrecy Act. The so-called Bank Secrecy Act. It's the Bank's Anti-Secrecy Act, of course. But the new technology with decentralized exchanges... People can send money without entrusting it to any intermediary, without giving information to any intermediary. And it's going to be very difficult for them to circumvent the Constitution when it comes to demanding access to that information, because you haven't given it up to anybody. You have a reasonable expectation of privacy, even under the current law, as I understand it. We're standing next to a sign where I'll say it in English because I don't speak Spanish very well at all. But it basically says... They can, they can get rid of cash, they can eliminate cash, but they can't eliminate Monero. So we're talking about this idea that governments may try to stop it, they may try to ban it, but ultimately, if crypto works as intended, they cannot do that, and it's here to stay. Um, what, is, what do you think would likely happen if Monero were to gain global adoption. What do you think the ultimate effect would be on the global financial system if a truly private, fungible cryptocurrency were to gain widespread adoption? Well, I was going to say first that the people who want to suppress cryptocurrency also want to suppress cash. So there is a certain intellectual consistency, I guess. I did a debate with Ken Rogoff, who published this book entitled the curse of cash. And if you ask, well, what does he say about cryptocurrency? Same thing. Uh, shouldn't be allowed because you know what? Criminals can use it. Well, yeah, but there are a lot of innocent people who would like to use it, uh, who shouldn't be stopped on suspicion on prior restraint grounds. Well, so. But it's much easier for governments to eliminate cash because they can control, you know, they could shut that down. Whereas crypto, it's going to be hard for them to eliminate. So systems that do work with trusted intermediaries like banks or like gold vaults, those can be identified and those can be shut down. That's true. What, they, what the government can do with cryptocurrencies is they can drive them underground. So you're right. Peer-to-peer uh, -peer transactions by people who know what they're doing, who keep their own wallets, it's very hard to find them, let alone to you know, pry into their transactions. But driving it underground makes it very difficult to use it as money, right? So nobody can advertise that they accept Monero without the police showing up. Then that's going to be make it difficult to become a worldwide medium of exchange. Uh, so that's what we need to fight for, for the, the right to use alternative payment methods. Assuming the political will somehow uh, 
becomes in favor ultimately of private cryptocurrencies and they are essentially allowed to be adopted without being driven into dark markets only. What do you see being the effect on the global financial system if something like a Monero were to be adopted, where people can privately transact peer-to-peer, without censorship, without surveillance, transacting freely without a third party, particularly the government involved. What do you see as being the ultimate effect on the global financial system if that were to come to fruition? Well, I see a lot of advantages uh, in terms of financial regulations becoming impossible to apply. So restrictions on who can lend to whom, at what interest rates, uh, the sort of things that are imposed on banks because, well, when banks fail, the U.S. government picks up the tab, so they try to tell banks what they can and can't do to make them less risky. So I think it would help. I think uh, provide a more of a culture of entrepreneurship and uh, let people take the risks they want to take. What I think is an obstacle, though, is that people want to use a medium of exchange that has a predictable purchasing power. And so I think a cryptocurrency is going to have to provide that to, to get widespread adoption uh, as the medium in which people pay and the medium in which cl- financial claims are realized or redeemable. Uh, so that's what we're waiting for. And I, I know you said that at the outset. You don't think that problem can ultimately be solved by adoption itself? So the a cryptocurrency like Monero or Bitcoin becoming large enough where... Uh, it no longer is volatile because of the mass adoption, because of the large size of the market cap. Well, it's hard to get there from here. So Bitcoin and I assume Monero too, mostly held by speculators. That makes the price volatile. And then it becomes difficult to attract people who just want a checking account. Right. So you think because of the speculators, I think what, what differentiates Monero from Bitcoin is that it's, it's, it's more, uh, it's more widely used for purposes of digital cash, honestly, primarily on dark markets right now more than anywhere else. So it does have that base utility for it, in addition to speculation. There's a higher ratio of transactions to outstanding volume or total in, in existence? Well, yeah, it's hard to, to know, right, because of its private nature. But the belief is that it's actually more used than speculated upon. Well, then that should, that should give it a less volatile price. So I'd have to look at the data to see whether that's true. Yeah, you should look at it. It has been quite, quite stable, actually, for better, for better or worse. Well, yeah, worse for speculators, but better for transactors. All right, Dr. Lawrence White, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, Mineraland. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. MoneroTalk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or CakeWallet send address field to send us a tip. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to being back next week.